This is the Sasquatch's Monsters of the Clubhouse. Tales of when athletes throw it all away and end up behind bars or worse. This is the story of Robert Rogier, born in Alaska but raised in California. Rogier was a high school and collegiate athlete before briefly playing professional American football in both the NFL and the CFL. In the 1980s, he joined the nation of Yowie, and by Halloween 1986, he had killed at least four Floridians on behalf of the religious group. After turning state's evidence, Rogier was sentenced to 22 years in prison, but was paroled after 10 and put into witness protection. At the turn of the century, Rogier was caught bouncing checks and sentenced to 25 years to life under the state's three-strike law. The information on Rogier is sporadic and limited, so I've done my best to piece the story together, but I believe, based on my research, it is factually correct. known to some as Bob, was born on July 28, 1955 in Alaska, Anchorage to be precise. He is the son of a United States Air Force pilot and Junior definitely elicited some of the behaviours of a military brat whilst in his younger years. Most evidently poor behaviour in the classroom, with subpar grades of a 1.32 GPA or a D plus average, Rogier failed to obtain his high school diploma. While academically Rogier struggled, he excelled as a high school and collegiate athlete. With the ability to high jump just over two meters or six feet seven inches in old money, sprint a 4.7 second 40 yard dash and bench press 170 kilos, he was quite clearly gifted athletically. With no high school diploma and limited opportunities, Rogier enrolled in Grays Harbor College, a community college in Washington. A loophole since closed allowed Rogier to be recruited by the University of California, Berkeley, provided he attended and passed his first semester, which he did. Rogier was recruited by UCLA without a defined position. During his high school years, Rogier had used his athletic gifts to cover a variety of positions at Cordova Ranch, just outside of Sacramento. During his time in Berkeley, he honed his skills and was a truly dominant defensive end. He was a phenomenal collegiate athlete, described by team captain Ralph Deloche as simply the best athlete on the team. While his performances at UCLA Berkeley garnered national attention, his academic struggles resurfaced. For context, the University of California Berkeley is one of the most prestigious schools in North America academically, and Rosier's time in UCLA did fall during Mike White's tenure. Mike White is a former UCLA athletic 
department administrator who was relieved of his duties owing to the provision of a number of scholarships to athletes not eligible for college. And Rose Year's prior academic history would suggest UCLA may have been a reach for him academically. Rogier had fallen so far behind in his studies that it was deemed impossible to graduate with his degree in African American studies. In addition, various anti-social behaviour issues such as the misuse of marijuana and cocaine had become issues for Rogier. He had also become aware of how far behind he was falling academically and in an attempt to save face amongst his peers. He began to refer to himself as the gorilla pimp, carried a pistol at all times and preached disdain for corporate or white America. As a result of these issues, Rogier declared for the NFL draft. He was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals, now Arizona's property, in the ninth round of the 1979 draft. Rogier was the 228th pick of overall. And while it's not important to this story, it is worth noting that the 82nd pick of the 1979 draft was future Hall of Famer and NFL icon Joe Montana. Rogier was given the squad number 75 and just as his career looked set to take off, it dropped off a cliff. Rogier was picked for six games in the 1979 season, starting none of them. Allegations of drug use and petty crime ended his time in St. Louis and Rogier made the move north of the border and spent a season split between the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of Canada's CFL. Rogier made one final attempt at a professional career with the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders of the late 70s and 80s were famed for their collection of misfits. However, after just two weeks he was cut and his football career was over. It's at this point that the trail of Rogier goes a little under the radar. And while the details are a little hazy, it is believed that while serving time in a Florida prison for a spate of petty crimes... Rosier was introduced by a cellmate to Yahweh Ben Yahweh, the Temple of Love and the Nation of Yahweh. In order to understand Rosier's life and the horrific result of his crimes, we need to tell the story of Yahweh Ben Yahweh and the Nation of Yahweh. Yahweh Ben Yahweh was born Hulan Mitchell Jr. and he is one of 15 children born to a Pentecostal minister in Oklahoma. After leaving Oklahoma, Mitchell joined the military and then attended law school. He moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where in the 1960s, he joined the Nation of Islam and took the name Hulan X. After leaving the Nation of Islam in the late 1960s, he became a faith-healing Christian preacher and named himself Father Mitchell. Mitchell arrived in Miami, Florida in 1978 where he gathered members of the city's Black Hebrew Israelite congregation and founded the Nation of Yahweh. The Nation of Yahweh is a predominantly African-American offshoot 
of the Black Hebrew Israelite Religious Movement, which was founded in 1979 by Mitchell Jr., now known as the Yahweh Ben Yahweh. Its goal is to move African Americans, who it believes are the original Israelites, to Israel. The group accepts Yahweh Ben Yahweh as the Son of God, and this is the major discrepancy between the nation of Yahweh and the nine other black Hebrew Israelite groups. The nation of Yahweh set up its headquarters in Liberty City, Florida in 1979. During this time, Mitchell's doctrine was published. This emphasized the belief that God and all of his prophets were black and that blacks would gain the knowledge of their true history through Mitchell himself. He also characterized whites and Jews as infidels and oppressors. However, Mitchell's business and charity efforts earned him respect in the community. The mayor of Miami, Xavier Suarez, declared Yahweh Ben Yahweh Day on October 7th, 1990, a month before his indictment for alleged crimes. While his followers remained devoted to him, Mitchell was in trouble with the law. And between 1990 and 2006, he served 16 years of an 18-year sentence. In 2006, as he became increasingly ill with prostate cancer, Mitchell's attorney, Jane Whitetrab, petitioned the US District Court for his release from parole to permit him to die with dignity. Mitchell died on May 7th, 2007, at the age of 71. Now that we know the story of Yahweh Ben Yahweh, and the story of Rogier prior to meeting Mitchell. It's evident the kindling was present and at any moment the fire would commence. By 1986, Rogier had become an ardent supplicant to the nation of Yahweh, donating all of his possessions and taking the name Noria Israel. In an effort to join the Yahweh's Brotherhood, a secret group within the Yahweh nation. Rogier undertook the initiation of killing random white devils. In April of 1986, in the Miami neighborhood of Coconut Grove, Rogier followed a drunk white man to his apartment, killed him and his roommate with a six inch Japanese knife. On the 5th of September, Rogier and another Brotherhood member killed the unconscious 61-year-old Raymond Kelly, who was parked in a bar parking lot. The two men cut off the victim's ear to show Ben Yahweh, and when they lost it, returned to the body to cut off the other. Fifteen days later, Rogier and the three other Yahwehs killed 45-year-old Cecil Branch, 
stabbing him 25 times in retaliation for a previous confrontation. On October 27, 1986, the nation of Yahweh bought a five-building co apartment complex in Opelaka, Florida, for $480,000. Under the auspices of trying to improve the property, Yahweh members spent that week attempting to evict residents. Things got a little heated, and on October 31st, 28-year-old Anthony Brown and 37-year-old Rudolph Broussard was shot. Following the murder of Broussard and believing he had sub sufficiently distanced himself from the crime, Rosier decided to relieve his bladder in a nearby bush. Rosier was picked up by the police for public urination within a three block radius of a double homicide and in possession of a pistol. Rogier aroused suspicion and was brought to the police station for further question. Upon Rogier's arrest he told police that he was 404 years old and that he couldn't remember his life prior to conversion. For seven months the nation supported Rogier with a lawyer by the name of Ellis Rubin and a public relations campaign. When Rogier issued an ultimatum to the church for a different lawyer, he was excommunicated. In March 1988, Rogier turned state's evidence in exchange for a 22 year sentence. He told of the nation of Yahweh's crimes to the Miami Dade Police Department. Some murders were committed in retaliation, some members of the church would brag about killing on behalf of the group and a church rumour told of its own involvement in the 1983 public beating to death of martial artist Leonard Dupree. Rogier also explained about the Brotherhood, its initiation and its purpose. All told, Rogier personally confessed to four murders. By 1990, the Miami-Dade Police Department had built a 14-murder conspiracy indictment against 16 members of the Yawi Nation and their spiritual leader, Yawi Ben Yawi. This case relied heavily upon Rogier's claims. A vector of attack used by Yawi's criminal defence lawyers, who claimed Robert Rogier is singing a song in order to avoid a life sentence. Or death sentence. Also claiming he's been able to elude Old Sparky, the colloquial term for Florida's electrical chair, four times. Despite these attacks on Rogier, the Miami-Dade Police Department had never actually been able to catch the man in a lie. But despite this, Benyawi was acquitted of the murder after Rogier's credibility was besmirched. On a Racketeer Influence and Corruptions Organizations Act, Mitchell or Yahweh Ben Yahweh and several other Nation of Yahweh members were convicted 
of conspiracy for the role in more than a dozen murders. For his 22-year sentence, Rogier was imprisoned outside of Florida under a new name courtesy of the United States Federal Witness Protection Program or the Sammy the Bull Gravano treatment as it's sometimes referred. In 1996, after 10 years behind bars, Rogier was paroled with his new identity of Robert Ramsey's. In 1999, he expressed remorse for his crimes, telling the Associated Press that he had rebuilt his life in an intense spiritual and intellectual transformation. On February 5th, 1999, Rogier was arrested as Ramsey's by El Dorado County, California Sheriff's deputies for a bounce check of just $66. Rogier volunteered his criminal past and former identity, thinking the new chain, new charge, would otherwise be a misdemeanor. However, under California's then-new three strikes rule, state prosecutors sought felony charges. His bail was set at 10 million. By May of 2000, Rogier was imprisoned in South Lake Tahoe, Tahoe, California waiting for a June trial. At the conclusion of his trial in Placeville, California, Rogier was convicted of bouncing 27 checks for a total of $2,200. He was sentenced to prison for 25 years to life on January 12, 2001, and he remains incarcerated to this day. story of Robert Rozier Jr. in the Yahweh Nation. While undoubtedly a troubled and easily influenced individual, the story of Robert Rozier Jr. is as dark as it is infuriating and troubling as it is ironic. The issues with America's legal system meant Rozier served just 10 years for a killing spree but 25 to life for just over $2,000 worth of fraud. While undoubtedly the crimes committed by Rozier for the Yawi Nation are horrific, I can't personally help but feel the greatest crimes committed were against himself. He was gifted athletically and by all accounts had the makings of the Hall of Famer. Despite years of poor academic performance, he was gifted an opportunity at a degree from one of the most prestigious colleges in North America. And finally, when gifted a new name and a clean slate, Within three years, he was back in prison, and this time, likely for the remainder of his life. The next episode of Monster the Clubhouse is out next Monday. Make sure to leave a review wherever you find this podcast, and make sure to follow the Mid-Season Slump on Instagram to find out about some more of the pieces of work we're putting together. Or alternatively, check out our website, www.com the mid hyphen season slump dot com. Thanks for listening.